Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's the crack? Hey. Great day for the washing. I'm going on the piss this weekend. I'd murder a bag of hens. Happy house. No harm, no foul. Are you a door board or are you a lady board? Only a little door board. The bleeding hack ya. A bleeding reef ya. Fall and break your legs, don't come running to me. What a gee bag. You must be fibbing. <laughs> Irish stop. How you're wished. Did you wet the baby's head yet, did you? Tis your one. She's some bure. Hello, how are you? What's the crack? What's the starry conus atatu? This is Tiz Yourself and my name is Nicola Barton and I'm really, really delighted to have you here with me today. Now, I'm currently uh, recording in the kitchen and there are two dogs in the kitchen with me and two in the hall. So look, we've who knows how this is going to go? This could be chaotic or it could be fabulous. Who knows? In the background, the window's open, so you might hear a few little birdies singing as well, but a bit of nature and a bit of working from home life that you, I'm sure you can all relate to, especially if you have a dog or a cat. So Tis Yourself is my little podcast, and basically I talk to some interesting people about their lives, about their careers and everything in between. Uh, a lot of podcasts might have a set, set of questions. I only have one, and that is how would people know you best? And I suppose that kind of opens up a lot of things. And if you've listened in the past to the other episodes, we've talked about everything from mental health, addiction, funny stories. We've got like gone serious to funny in the matter of a few minutes. And it's been brilliant and chaotic and crazy and fabulous. And I've just loved every second so far. And you found me. So that's great. I'm delighted that you're here and that you've pressed play amongst all the podcasts that are out there in the world. And there are so many of them. Believe me. I know, I know. Trying to find what I'm going to be listening to um, on a weekly basis is is one thing. I've got my favourites and hopefully uh, soon enough I'll be one of your favourites and that would be really cool. Um, if someone referred you to the podcast, do let me know who they are. Follow me on um, Instagram. It's tis yourself. Email welltisyourself at gmail.com or just find me, Nicola Barton. You'll find me everywhere, Twitter and Facebook and Insta, the whole lot, the whole shebang. So, yeah, let's talk about our guests then. So throughout my guests so far, you know, we've had some people who are maybe more famous in the 90s, people who are more famous a few years ago, or now kind of mixing it up with, you know, we had McCardle, who was at the height of his fame in 2010. We had Idal from Bewitched, who would, of course, would have been throughout the 90s and early noughties and are still famous now. But I suppose the dizzy heights were back then. But my next guests have been famous for decades, decades. You know, you might know them from the early stuff. You might know them from you know, reality TV, you might know them from their family life. There's just so much, so many layers to my next guest. And it was uh, so much crack to chat to the fabulously lovely Linda and Anne Nolan. And we chatted on Zoom and we had fierce crack talking about their, you know, roller coaster lives, everything they've been through. And I suppose I let the ladies take over and I hope you enjoy. 
Hi, Anne. Hi. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Good, good. Linda, I think you're there now, are you? Hello. There we have her. Hi, Linda. Honest to God, I'm so technically challenged. I'm brain dead by the end of all of this. Hello. <laughs> well, look at us. None of us had never, ever even heard of Zoom before. Like, no, I've Zoom. still got a landline. <laughs> 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 well, thanks, ladies, for taking this time today because I know you know you're very busy. As I said, a promo, and I know you're uh, you know one of you is. In no, the it's a pleasure. Thanks for thanks for asking us. Brilliant. Thank you. Well, Anne, Anna's got an appointment this afternoon uh, at the hospital. Oh, yeah. Anne, you're so yeah. Yeah. Promo in the morning and hospital in the afternoon. Fair play to you. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're so rock and roll. <laughs> That is rock and roll. Look at you powering on. Fair play to you. Well, look, I will start the podcast off with one question. I suppose it's going to be very easy for both of you. Um, it's how did the public know you best? Oh, I'm in the mood oh, yeah. for dancing. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Anne, I suppose. So everyone would best know you, of course, that song and the mood for dancing and the, and, and the band. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people remember us as well from our, uh, when we first started on TV, we did the, the full series of the years. And a lot of our um, fans um, still, you know, they were fi- fans from them and they're still fans now. Because I like, like a lot of people coming up and saying, oh, well, we remember you singing this on the Cliff Richard series, you know. Yeah, yeah I think I'm in the mood for dancing was what was to the general public, you know. Kind of and, and, yeah, the Nolan sisters. When you say that, people recognise it straight away. Really, yeah, yeah. They, I think everyone, if they don't know every member of the band, they know one of the the band members. They know yeah, the two important ones, me and Anne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maureen gets mistaken for Colleen sometimes. I get mistaken for Maureen sometimes. Linda gets mistaken for Bernie uh, sometimes. You know, and Denise and Denise as well. So, yeah, I think they know the Nolans a lot. I mean, our fans know us individually, but a lot of pe- people know the name, the Nolans, but they couldn't pick out probably who's who in it, you know, because there's a lot of us here, really. Yeah, the, the typical Irish family with a lot of people in it. That's the way. It yeah. <laughs> if you just go, oh, it's yeah, I, I know in my family, my mom goes through the names of the sisters oh, trying to yeah. get to you. It's like, Nicola, Sarah, Michelle, blah, blah, blah. Anne, Anne does that with her grandchildren and her daughters, don't you? Anne? Oh, God. Yeah, my grandson goes mad. He goes, why are you calling me Ryder, Graham? My name's Vinny. And then I get the same thing with the other one. Why are you calling me Vinny? I'm, my name's Ryder. <laughs> and I go, because I'm 70 and I, that's how I am. That's just... just <laughs> My God, you're 70. You would not know that. Oh, I know she looks amazing, doesn't she? Ah, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> Honestly, like I wouldn't, I would have put you 15 years younger at least. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you so much. No, what about me? Be oh, kind. No, you're in your 20s. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it, what makeup can do, really? Oh, I, I can't remember makeup. It's been so long since I put it on. Because- oh my God, I know. I can't walk in high shoes now. <laughs> Who can? I actually look like I'm a, a you know, a, a child, child wearing her mother's shoes. I cannot walk in stilettos at the moment. No, I can't. <laughs> the band um, is going, like, I suppose it went for what, 30 something years, was it? Uh, 50 well we've been singing for about 50 years all together wow. but the I'm the Moose Dancing was a hit uh, 40 years ago 
Apple, but, but before that, we were going for 10 years working in, um, well, working at all over hotels, clubs, everything. And Linda, like, do you remember the early days when it would have been, you know, your parents involved in the band as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, in the early days, when mum and dad did go singing, it would be a, a treat for one of us to go with them, you know? It was great. Invariably, we got up on stage and sang. But I think the three girls, the big girls, they were called, the big girls and our brothers were the boys and me, Ernie and Collie were the kids. That's how, you know, mm-hmm. our little labels, our little groups. And the big girls went singing with them for, first. Um, I think they just naturally did three-part harmony. So they used to do stuff from... Um, you know the 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 uh, the shows or stuff that was in the charts at the time, and then gradually we all just joined. It just seemed the natural thing to do. You know, our brother Tommy played the drums, <laughs> and our brother Brian sang with us. And at one point, there was ten of us on stage, and we were called the Singing Nolans uh, on the business cards. It had Blackpool Zone Von Traps. Oh, God, I <laughs> know, <laughs> yeah, hilarious. But uh, we used to sell the clubs out. They used to love us coming, so it was it was good fun. You know. It was a really good um, apprenticeship for us, really, because working men's clubs are not easy places. If they don't like you, they let you know. Mm, so it was a really yeah. good grounding for us for later on in our careers. You know, kind of nothing really phased us after that because we've been through this this whole thing, which was, was amazing, really. Yeah, I mean, it, it was two one-hour spots with the bingo in between. And a lot of times the dressing rooms are big enough, so we used to have to get changed in shifts, you know, and you'd sit at the artist table while the others were getting changed or whatever. Yeah, as Anne says, you know, we're ready for anything after that. Well, yeah, if you can, if you know, they're still singing and you're still singing and they're still liking you before the bingo and they want you back (laughs) after the bingo, that's a good sign. Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) The one thing I always know about your family is that you're all very open, you're very honest. You know, you like whether I'm reading an interview with one of you or another, you guys don't seem to have the, you know, it's many pop stars and singers and stuff we see these days are media everything is great and perfect and yeah. I won't ever talk about anything bad or anything that you know pisses me off or but you guys seem to be like quite open in that sense I think we have we've always been like that you know um, when we were asked to do books we've always said warts and all you know nobody has a life uh, it, you know that the, oh my tablet make me stutter. That's I'm not drunk. No, don't worry, you take your time. <laughs> I'm taking chemo tablets at home. Mind you, Anne's got the same problem. But one of the side effects of our tablets is we stutter a little bit. Um, yeah, so um, we've always been open. So, you know, when, when we got our diagnosis, I mean, Bird, Bernie was very open as well. And, um, and I think that's because... We're not ashamed of what's happened in our lives. You know, these things happen to people, if good or bad. And also, as far as our illnesses go, I think it's because we have an amazing, supportive family, wonderful friends. And some people are sitting at home and they don't have that. And I I think about that because it can be a lonely journey, cancer, you know, especially at the moment with COVID. Mm. So, you know, me telling them that I was traumatized, losing my hair and I was embarrassed about it. You know, and they might, might sit at home and go, "Oh my God, I feel exactly the same." And if that's the case, then I, it's it's done something good to the book. You know, I think Anne, you were asked some questions, weren't you, by a friend? 
Yeah, one a friend of mine was going through the same thing I'd just been through. I was coming to the end of mine. She was starting on hers. And she said to me, um, does chemotherapy hurt? And I thought, gosh, I've never, you know, I've never thought to ask that question or even tell somebody the answer to that. So I thought it was a really good question. And I said to her, you know, it doesn't hurt, actually. You don't feel anything. The after effects are awful, but the actual administration of the chemotherapy is fine. You just sit in a chair and they, you know, put it in, give it, put, give it to you, really. Yeah. Well, and if it, it could help anyone, it's good. Yeah, it's nice to be able to, to um, reassure her about that. That was a nice thing to do, yeah. And like, do you look, you know, Anne, at the younger people and the way you guys, as you mentioned, you're so open and you're ready for questions and stuff and you see younger singers who paint the perfect life on Instagram and, you know, you and your sisters are not like that. You know, you show, the, as you say, the warts and all. Do you find that, that that can't go on, that can't maintain that perfection, the Instagram perfection? Um, I don't know. That's a difficult question, really, because, you know, some of these people do have perfect lives. Mm. Do you know what I mean? When you, and the only way we can know it is what they're telling it, as you say. Um, but I'm sure some of them do just have, you know, just really have got, you know, perfect lives. They just, that's just how it is. That's just how it lies in bin. Um, I'm sure there are some who pretend they have perfect lives and they haven't because they may be embarrassed about talking about the bad things in their lives. And that's fine. You know, that's all up to the individual. If you don't want to talk about it, then you don't have to talk about it. You know, everybody's got their own way of dealing with things. And it's good to talk in one way. But if you don't want to, that's, you know, that's your way of dealing with things. I know from Colleen's um, experience as a, you know, an interview with loose women and when she did this morning, you know, some artists come in, though, and with them, you know, reams of things you can't ask them about, you know, don't don't mention that. Don't do that. You know, do that. And I think, oh, God, imagine living your life like that. You know, what happens if somebody does ask you that question? What are you going to say? You're just going to not say anything because. You know, like I said, you know, we have, you know, there's been things in our lives that have happened. You know, I went bankrupt at one point and it was a terrible time. It wasn't, it, it was nobody's fault. It was just mismanagement of my money. You know what I mean? And I'm not ashamed to say that because I think a lot of people go through stuff like that. And I think when you're in the public eye, if you can talk about it and go, it's okay, you know, you get over it. It, you know, don't be ashamed about it, all of that. I think it can only help them. So I do feel sorry for some of them with the pressure of only being good when, you know, like, for example, One Direction, you know, young lads have made it the, the world's biggest band. And to, to, I mean, we had that a little bit when we first started out, didn't we, Anne? As the Nolan mm-hmm. sisters, when they tried yeah. to dress same and you know we'd go to go go to shows all together and it was um and that's you know a hard i mean when you've got six catholic irish sisters you of course have a, a sweet image right from the beginning and sometimes we found it a bit difficult in that you know bernie smoked i smoked eventually um you know we, we had a drink and it was um people would go oh my god do they drink you know it was yeah. really weird so it's hard to live up to that's the thing yeah like you're kissing a boy or something and you're meant to be perceived as this perfect catholic girl and you're like no. absolutely yeah absolutely it's it's yeah, uh, yeah that's insane like an insane an insane perfection that you can, nobody can live up to because it might work as you say now they might have the perfect life but like something is going to yeah, go wrong and- i mean i really really feel for people like you know Brittany who uh, when when her perfect life fell apart 
people were just there like vultures because they'd never known she had any troubles in her lives or suffering. You know, I talk about suffering with depression. I'm on uh, antidepressants. They help me. They keep everything at a level. You know, they just help me cope with life better. And um, and some people go, oh, don't tell the agent that or don't tell so-and-so that. And you think, oh, my God, why? It's, you know, it's, it's an illness. It's, it's, it's a fact. I'm not going to go in to every venue that we go to and look for a strong beam or, you know, things like that. I'm just, I suffer with depression and it can be handled. And again, if somebody out there thinks they've got depression, go see your doctor, you know, they'll help you. I think the problem is that in, when you're in the public eye, like I remember when we was first started being in the public eye, when we struck started being on TV. We weren't, weren't allowed to say that we had boyfriends and I was engaged at the time. They told me not to mention it in interviews and stuff like that. And I think it, it's, a, yeah, it's a perception that they think if your fans know these things, they're going to go off you, you know. Mm. And perhaps some of them will, you know, perhaps some of them will say, oh, you know, I don't like them anymore because they're doing this, because they're doing that. Um, and it's, so it's, it's kind of like, it's a very sort of precarious um, thing to be in you know you want to keep your fans you want them to like you and to tell them all your warts and all can sometimes make, you know, make go the other way I suppose that's what people think who knows you know it's it's a very precarious business to be in really yeah it's all, it's all about image and you know how you live your life and everything yeah. don't get me wrong love it. there's nothing else I would rather have done but it is at times it can be very very you know, hard. Oh, I, like, I don't know how you guys do it, to be honest. <laughs> like, I, I, I live in a small town and everybody knows your business when you're from a small town, but I can't imagine everybody in the world knowing your business. But I suppose <laughs> the way that you guys went about it in the, as you, like, I know obviously you were saying at the start there that, you know, you weren't allowed to say you had boyfriend stuff, but as you got older and, you know, found your voices and knew you were able to talk about it, I feel like you're more relatable because people yeah. know you've been through depression or know that you've had cancer or, you know, know that you went through a divorce or whatever. And they're like, oh, there's so much more. They're more like me than they're normal. That's yeah. what they say to us. You know, when to see shopping in, in Tesco's, you know, oh, my God, or any other reputable store um, <laughs> they go oh my god I didn't think you'd do your shopping and I used to go well I wish I had somebody that did it for me to be honest with you you know what I mean but <laughs> the, the, the truth the truth of it all is that I have to do my shopping you know just like anybody else it's funny it's funny like Anne says people's perception of you yeah, they all have an idea of what you are. And yeah. I suppose uh, the other side of it is people connect cancer, I suppose, with you guys, obviously enough, which is not as something that you'd like to be connected to, but it's something you're both going through at the moment. Yeah. yeah. What, we, what do I call us? Oh, the chemo sisters, I call us. Not the chemical <laughs> brothers, the chemo sisters. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've, had, um, we've had cancer in our family since the year 2000 because that was when I was first diagnosed. Well, actually, I had a lump when I was 29, um, which was benign. And then when I was 49, uh, I got another lump and that was uh, that was a cancerous one. And then Linda went on to ha have cancer in 2006. Was it Linda, I think? Yeah. 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 So like from the year 2000, cancer has been around, not part of our lives happily, but it's been, you know, it's we've known it since since then, really. Do you yeah. remember on the early, the first, I suppose, like the first time you realised there was something wrong? 
What do you mean for in, two, in the year 2000 or this one now? No, the year 2000, I suppose your first brush really. Was... <laughs> we have so much to choose from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, my first brush with it, yeah. Well, as I said, my first brush with it was actually in um, when I was 29. I don't know what year that was. I was born in 1950, so what I'm working out. AD. <laughs> 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 Pinky beggar. Yeah, so, so that was my first brush with it. As I say, I had a lump removed then, which was quite a big lump. I had 13 stitches in my breast and it was benign happily. And then I had lumps like every other year I had a lump removed, which was like a cyst and they just aspirated it. And then in the year um, 2000, I found a lump and um, that was found to be cancerous. And I had chemotherapy and an operation and radiotherapy. And after that, I was fine and I have been fine since then. So for 20 years, I've been free of it and I've lived a fantastic life. And now it's come back again. Happily, it's not secondary cancer. It's called a primary cancer because it's been so long since the first one. And it's also in a different area. Um, so it's it's been um, diagnosed as a primary cancer and it's curable. And I've been, they've thrown everything at me to get rid of it. So hopefully... At the moment, I don't have cancer, um, but I'm not discharged for another five years. I still have to have treatment and scans until five years is up. You must um, see the difference between the cancer treatment back then and now. Like, I know obviously COVID has put a big dampener on it, but like even the... like the- Well, the, her, um, the, the Herceptin that Anne is having this afternoon... When I had cancer in 2006, that, that was the new wonder drug. They called it the postcode lottery. Meant if you were in the right area to get 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 this new uh, uh, amazing uh, immunotherapy drug, you know, and, and then it was, oh, my God, it's all new. And now it's just for granted, it's taken for granted that you have that to keep mm-hmm. your cancer away after mm-hmm. your uh, chemotherapy. I mean, when I was when I was told in 2006, it was in Belfast, actually, at one of the hospitals there, because um, I had a long, a long story. Anyway, I went there and they, they told me in between shows. Oh, and I remember, yeah, I was doing pantomime. It was the last two days of the pantomime. And I thought, you know, we, we'd been for a biopsy and all of that. And then um, he said... Uh, can you come back at five o'clock, whatever? And we said, yes, you know, we're doing two shows. So and we went there at five o'clock and he told me that I had breast cancer and that it was stage three. It was, um, and I had to have a mastectomy, then chemotherapy, then radiotherapy. And he's telling me all of this. And after he said the word chemotherapy, I kind of left the room. I felt like I was looking down on, you know, this doctor and nurse. And, and my husband, Brian, was going grayer by the second. They, and the nurse actually gave him a drink of water, not me. <laughs> and I, I thought he's going to faint, you know. And when he came out, he said to me, do you want me to phone and tell them you can't do the show? I said, no, it's not going to help anyone. And not being big time, I was the star of the show. You know, I'd come over from England to do the show and it had been massive at the Belfast Opera House. And I thought they, they don't really do understudies, you know, so one would, would have had to go on with the script in their hand, you know. And I thought it's not going to make it any better. I'll just sit at home and cry. So I um, I said, no, the only thing I don't want is you in the wings because if I see you, you're my reality check and I will cry, you know. So mm-hmm. he dropped me for the last three shows he left left me at the stage door to go in and do it and then you know we had a last night party nobody knew I was you know the life and soul of the party and then I went home and three days later I was making arrangements to have my mastectomy in Blackpool at home yes yeah, so it it's a weird feeling when it happens and, and like Anne said earlier I think you kind of think I'm never going to get through this 
You know, if and if somebody had told me at the end of 2007 all the things I would have had been through, I'd have gone, no, you've got the wrong person. I couldn't possibly have done all of that. But you do, you find a strength inside you that you don't know you have, you know. Yes, it's hard and yes, it takes a lot of, of guts and, you know, a lot of heartache on other people's part as well because they feel for you. But you, you, you do get through it. I think Anne said earlier in a another interview we did that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and and for people just starting out with their cancer now we're the light at the end of the tunnel because we were both bald we've both got little pixie haircuts now and you know Anne is Anne is got the best possible result she could get she's in remission again and and for me I have a, a scan every three months and they tell me if it's stable or if it's moved, you know. And so in between time, I try and keep up. We do lots of things. You know, if I get down, I phone the girls and they'll come round or we'll just go for a drive or go to their house, to Anne's house or whatever. And um, because otherwise, if I'm miserable between having the scan and waiting for the results, cancer wins, you know, mm-hmm. completely because it completely takes over your life. So I try and be up and, uh, and have a good time and do great things you know it's given me a sense of freedom my diagnosis in the fact that you know I'm not afraid to say no to anything now you know if I'm doing something with my great nieces and nephews when we're allowed to of course with my great nieces and nephews I and I'm asked to do a tv show I go no I promise to take the kids to the park you know that that's the kind of freedom it's given me because I know that I'm not being morbid I could live with this for 15 20 years but I might not I might go next week and then it might be, you know, God forbid, bad news, really bad news. But at least I'm living every day, enjoying every day, you know. So it's um, there is there is hope out there now. Like you say, the treatment is so different to how it was. God, I rambled on a bit there and I'm not even dressed for it. (laughs) (laughs) No, what you were saying is so true. And it's also like you must, you girls must see some people moaning about the stupidest things and just want to give them a kick up the hoop. Because like when you've been through something like cancer, as you say, you know the priorities in life, you know what, you know, you want to do. You're like, yes, I want to do that, but also I want to spend time with my family. And then you see someone moaning about something and you're like, no, I'm sorry. But like life is a gift. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, initially, I wanted to find cancer and kick its head in. That's yeah, of course. You know, you can't, that is so frustrating that you can't, it's not accountable to anybody. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it's, it, that's really frustrating. Um, but yeah. yeah. What, what's frustrating as well is when you see people. Um, who can do something about something that they, you know, that they're not happy about. They can do something about it. They can change it if they want to. With cancer, you can try as hard as you like, but in the long run, you don't really have any say in what's going to happen. You know, you can do what you're told and take all your medication, but the the end result might not be the result you want. And it, might, it gets on my nerves, really, when I see people and I want to say to them, you don't, you, you know, you've got a choice here. You can change the thing that you don't like. It's easy. Just, you know, just, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's just annoying sometimes, you know, when you see people and you want to go, it's, you yeah, don't know you get a little bit envious of them, you know. You've got choice whether to, you know, what break a window or not break a window. We've no choice. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. yeah, like someone giving out about, you know, oh, I have Trivial to wear, have to wear a mask, and you're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's exactly yeah. in comparison to what I've been through. <laughs> yeah. I did that in the shop, you know. Oh. Five kids came in, all all 
chatty and there were too many in this little shop and none of them had masks on. And I took off my baseball cap and went, I've got cancer. I've no immune system. And if you give me key, if you give me COVID, I will die. They caught me on a bad day, obviously. <laughs> I went, I will die. Their faces, one of them walked out the shop and then the older two made it worse by going, sorry, miss. miss. Oh, no. God. <laughs> They could have said, madam, that would have been worse. I might have hit them then. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's the kind of thing where you go, I have no choice. You know, you've got a choice, that kind of thing. Listen, this book isn't all about doom and gloom, is it, Anne? No, it's about it's about hope. And, and there is light at the end of the tunnel and it's about laughter. We talk about, no, we talk about our lives, though, as well, not just cancer, yeah. Yeah, and it's to do with, you know, you can, you can still laugh about things, you know, all of that. It's um, it's it's hopeful. It's a hopeful book. That's how yeah. I put it. Like I imagine, you guys have serious crack together as, as sisters and as a family because you're you seem to be remarkably close. Yeah, we have amazing times together. Yeah, we have honest to God. You know, we have at the moment because of COVID, we've been doing a, a quiz on Zoom Monday, Wednesday, Friday, family quiz, just family quiz, and we have a laugh on that as well. And because we've enjoyed it so much, we've uh, we decided to keep it going when we come out of COVID, you know, at least once a week anyway, um, because obviously with the summer nights, sometimes you're out late or whatever, but we've decided to definitely keep it once a week when, when we stop COVID because it's a it's an opportunity to catch up with each other. You know, if, if they've been busy, like our brother's working and all of that, and they come and do this quiz. And it's just, yeah, sometimes we end up in stitches. We played a game called Boulder Dash once, and I thought Anne was going to die laughing. <laughs> <laughs> he was the person in charge getting all these things in and honest to God we were just rolling around the floor laughing at Anne laughing at our answers <laughs> yeah well, I think that's the thing with families is that you find things that are funny that somebody from an outside might think what the hell are they laughing at <laughs> yeah, you know, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah I think anyone who sits in in my house wouldn't find the things that we find funny funny no. like no. you've got a heap of sisters you know everything you've got your own inward jokes yeah, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> So you mentioned the book has got um, it's, you know, a, lot, a lot of hope and, you know, a lot of joy as well as obviously your story and stuff, but even your story has hope in it and, and stuff like that. So does it go throughout your whole life or is it a certain period? I can't remember, does it? I talk about my divorce that I went through, which was a dreadful time for me. And, and Linda talks about um, her, the death of her, her husband and all of that and how, um, you know, massively that her. Yeah. And, uh, and um, did we do talk about to- when we sang with them, did we, Anne? Sorry? Did we go back that far to mum and dad and when we sang with them and everything? No, not in this book, no, I don't think. No, no, I don't know, yeah. No, I think it's all related to our cancer because when we had our first cancers, like Linda's husband was obviously there. My husband was around when I had my first cancer. So I think that's why we talk about them. So it's all related to our yeah. cancer story, really. And then your kids and all of that when they came yeah. along. You know, yeah. See, you've just lived such remarkable lives that you're like, how can we cram this into a few pages? And then also, like, both of you telling stories. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yes, I think they had to make, make a conscious decision to go from that time, probably. That's what they did. 
Yeah. And to actually be a a, a volume, wouldn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Otherwise, we'd need a 10 book series. The Nolans, (laughs) War and Peace. (laughs) (laughs) But do you, like, is there parts that you got emotional looking back at when you were kind of talking, like, um, Anne, you know, as you mentioned there, going through like divorces and, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff? Was it parts that was kind of hard that you you maybe thought, maybe I might leave this out? no, and I didn't ever think about leaving it out because it was, um, you know, it was very significant to what happened to me at the time. Uh, my divorce came at the end of my um, my my first cancer uh, thing. Um, my, my husband had a massive nervous breakdown because whilst I was having my treatment, he was looking after after my two daughters, trying to hold a job down because I I couldn't work obviously. And he didn't, he never let on to me that anything was going on, that he, that he was having trouble paying bills and that he was having tro- trouble paying our mortgage. He kept it all to himself because I was ill. And so he ended up having a massive breakdown and and, and ultimately we ended up getting divorced. He wanted to divorce, not me. I didn't want to divorce at the time. Um, but, you know, that's part of my life. It's a massive, massive part of my life. So, and it was around the time of my first cancer. So it, it was, it was relative, you know, it was, it was right to talk about that as well. And and I spoke about my husband, losing my husband and I cried talking to her about that. Um, because it was, you know, it still is, you know, I miss him every day. And um, so, yeah, that was, that was emotional. But back to sounding like this book is a grey cloud of doom that will come <laughs> over you as you're reading it. But, um, yeah, but, you know, well, like Anne said, you know, it was all part of our lives. So Brian was there when I was diagnosed and then, you know, I was having my treatment and he was taken into hospital, hospital and died within a week and I was still had to go and have treatment and you know so yeah so all that how we got on after and I tried to go back to work and I couldn't do it because it was just too difficult without him and you know um, I think yeah I think like you say it sounds like it's all doom and gloom but actually it's not because the parts that are are doom and gloom it then goes on to say that you can get over anything you can you know you, you can live your life you can live again you can make a life for yourself again there's nothing yeah. that it's you know the, I mean I, the only thing I can think of that, that might make me not want to live now would be to lose one of my children yeah. for me that is the worst thing that can happen to anybody in my opinion yeah. you know uh, that would be the only thing really Everybody I don't know you know everybody's got their own sort of things but uh, but the, that's what well, the book's about yeah, but the book, but the book is about hope. It's about us saying like we went like you went through this awful. I mean, Linda was suicidal, and I was I was suicidal in the beginning, but it didn't last very long. Linda's lasted a long time, and she found it so hard to live without her husband. And then she gets you know going through cancer at the same time. But now well, here she is going through another cancer and getting over that as well. So it's a hopeful book. It tells you that you can get through things even when you think you can't. Yeah. Mm. You can, you know. Yeah, I'm just fabulous. Yes. Uh, I was just <laughs> say, Linda, you're just fabulous. I'm greedy. It's my third cancer. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But fair play to you both, though, because you've come through like um, trauma, you know, of a sickness. Well, I think but it's also- like that. We've gone through things that, that everybody. There'll be people listening going, I was like that of my husband or I've been mm-hmm. through a divorce, you know. So I think because we're in the public eye, it's interesting for people to read about. But um, and the thing you were saying earlier about, you know, only ever 
talking about the good. If we did that, somebody would come up to Anne and go, you're divorced, aren't you? Do you know what I mean? If she hadn't spoken about it and, and it would make it out to be this big, terrible thing. And, and really when she explained explains what happened mm. um, and everything, you know, you realise that it was, it, it, it was sad, you know, it, it, it was the thing that happened that was really sad, you know, because he had a nervous breakdown and, you know, it wasn't all horrible. He was having an affair, all of that palaver, you know mm. what I mean? So, um, yeah, so Anna's right, of course, because she's the big sister. She's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is, it, it does yeah. have hope, you know, it does have hope there, yeah. And, 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 you know, my breast care nurse once said to me about Bernie, even Bernie, you know, up until she couldn't do it anymore, she was putting her lipstick on and her eyeliner. You know, one day I had to say to her, I think you need to leave the eyeliner now because half of it's on your nose. <laughs> and, you know, and, um, uh, you know, and she used to talk about we were all going to America for uh, for Maureen's 60th birthday. And she, she had gone to her lungs, her cancer now. And, and she was looking about cruising over, going on a ship because she couldn't fly, you know. And um, and her husband didn't quite get that. He'd be behind her saying, you know, she won't be able to do it and all. But I spoke to my breast care nurse about it and she said, never take away her hope. When you've no hope, you've nothing, you know. And, and yeah. it's so right. You have to hope. I have to hope that on the 22nd, my cancer will be stable and I've got another three, four months to have a good time, you know? So yeah, Anne is right about the hope side of it. And it, it's a massive thing, I think. Yeah, definitely. Like, what's what use is it sitting at home, lying on the bed, going, "Well, I might as well dying." Yeah, yeah. Like everyone has to cry when you get a diagnosis like that, and they're, you're obviously having sad days and stuff. But like, oh, gotcha. um, going through like six months of crying and not believing. Cancer's in- one. If you do that, you've let. It's like a boxing match, you know. Can- cancer got the first round because it was a diagnosis, you know, mm. and I got the second round because I'm still here. You know, exactly. and I'm going to get the third, fourth, and fifth. It's going to be a knockout. Yes, you're going to beat the you're going to beat the crap out of it. I'll still be here going. Yeah, round fifty-seven. <laughs> no, no, this is it. This is the last time. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Well. All right. I'll have a word. Both of you mentioned, obviously, with you know uh, having gone through the traumas of you know uh, divorce and uh, with uh, you know losing your husband. How does it then? How do you then? start dating again when everybody knows you who you are and knows your entire history of your life so there's like no mystery you're kind of like you know they can google your age or they can google you well know. what happens is is that your three other sisters namely Anne, Maureen and Colleen decide to put you on a dating app <laughs> and they, they try and find you someone now Anne isn't worried at the moment you know that's <laughs> Thing foremost in her mind but Maureen and Colleen have both met somebody on the dating app that I was on and they've been talking to them for the last three or four months well six months isn't it I think yeah, and so you know that's what happens they make out they're tr- trying to find you someone and then they look after themselves ah. sisters you see <laughs> it's just like when they make you buy some dress in a shop and then they just rob it so yeah absolutely yeah 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 my when I first got divorced my friends um uh got me, you know, like on a, a blind date with a friend of theirs. And I just thought, oh God, it was awful. It was horrendous. He was a lovely bloke, but I was an absolute lunatic. It was the first time I'd ever been out with somebody. You know, I've been with my husband 27 years and I had no idea what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And I just drank two glasses of wine, got absolutely sloshed and talked like a lunatic all night. Honestly, he must have thought I was absolutely... You did it again, don't you? 
Oh, God. Oh, what am I going to wear? What will I say? Yeah, what if cold. he jumps on me at the end? What's the kill? Yeah. <laughs> uh, another one, yeah, another one I ended out with then. I had four dates all to get, uh, together during my time without my husband. And another one I went on, I said to him, before we even went out on the date, I said to him, you know, at the end of the night when we get back and you're not kissing me. <laughs> he, looked at me he looked at me as if he said, I want to bloody kiss you anyway. <laughs> That's where COVID is great because you can go out on a date and then they can't kiss you at the end of the night. <laughs> yes. Yeah. COVID it's, is helping um, people reject anyone that they don't want to kiss. Like, oh, sorry, can't. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me tell you, you were talking about t- things that make us laugh. We were hysterical doing this dating thing because they kept going, oh, he's nice. And I'd go, no. And they'd swipe to the right. And I'd go, I didn't like, oh, he's nice. And I'd go, he's nice. And they'd swipe to the left and go, no, he's not nice enough. It was hilarious, really. It was really mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. But, you know, dating men and all that. I mean, it is difficult to know what to put, you, you know, when you have to fill in your... Um, your personal details and all of that. Hmm. So I put um, Linda Hudson, my married surname, and I put uh, media and entertainment, I put as a, as a job, you know. But I think I, I, I did speak to a few people, you know, just on the, on the app, not, not in person, obviously. And, um, and they were lovely, and all of them had recognised. I suppose... They Googled, you know, you do, you Google someone, don't you? I yeah. said to my niece, I'm talking to this guy. She said, what's his name? She phoned me back 10 minutes later and went, he's fine. He's got his own business and his own house. <laughs> <laughs> I went, oh, great. That's great. That was Anne's daughter, Amy. Thanks, Amy. I said, that's brilliant. She's like a little detective, you know, being protective as well, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think the problem with them, well, I think the, pro- the problem with these sites are that somebody puts a picture on, but you've got no um, proof that that is... I- Actually, Absolutely. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They've got a picture on this gorgeous hunk, and then when you meet them, it's like they're not like that at all. Yeah. They, yeah. Look, they look like a mole man or something. <laughs> yeah. It's all fun, isn't it? But part of me goes, do you know what? Somebody will come into my life and put the salt cellar in the wrong cupboard and I'll kill him. <laughs> or he'll, you know, you know, he'll sit in my chair. And I think, do you know, I'm not ready for somebody to come in and uh, disrupt my life again. But, um, you know, if you meet someone, you meet someone. I think, Anne, that's what you say, don't you, as well? Yeah. The only trouble is at the moment, of course, you're never going out. You're not meeting anyone, you know? No, no. Yeah. Mm. I'm the same. I've no interest in those apps because I think you end up just talking to people for the sake of talking them that you wouldn't probably. You become, or you become a friend, and you think I don't need it. I'm not, I'm not on here to like get a friend, you know. Yeah, um, I did. I did up with someone who was in. Uh, we went. We met in the park, and um, and he was lovely. And um, it was when you could be outdoors still, you know, one person, and he was but. I was like a 15-year-old getting ready, you know. Oh, I don't know what to wear, and I should I do that, and what will I say? I hope I recognise him as in, you know, are you so-and-so? And we met, and he was funny because he brought me a pork pie. <laughs> he said, I brought you a pork pie because it's one of the best in the no- best places in the Northwest to have them, he said. And they're n- not as romantic as flowers, but they taste better. And he wow. brought my little dog, he brought her some treats so he was funny and all that but there just wasn't that spark there you know yourself don't you yeah you know, he's lovely but you know yeah it's like he's lovely I'd love to set him up with somebody else <laughs> <laughs> yeah. absolutely actually Anne he's calling you in a couple of days <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> You're oh sorted, Anne. <laughs> Thanks for that, yeah. Not. But all of those kind of talks are funny, aren't they? Girl talk, girly talks and, you know, messing about. And all and our, We talk a lot, to, you know, some, sometimes when we all sit down together as a family, we'll end up talking about the old days, you know, for the kids as well. You know, and our great nieces and nephews don't really know us as singers. No. I suppose, I yeah. They've never, us. they've never seen, like Roma and Nevea, they've never seen us on stage, have they? They've seen you, you know, do my, um, my daughter showed my two grandchildren some uh, footage of us from years ago. And my, grand, my grandson said, oh, my God, he said they were really famous, weren't they? <laughs> yeah. So, so cool. It's so, so cute, you know. <laughs> yes, we were really famous at one yeah. point. Do you know who we were, we say? <laughs> yeah, do you know who we were? <laughs> you know who we used to be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, girls, I could talk to you all day. You're so much crack, honestly. I know. It's fun. It's not like an interview. It's like having a chat. I know. I'm just like, I wish that we were in a room together and we could have a little glass of wine or something. Absolutely. Oh, or, yeah. some of my, or some of my gin that I, I've put on the market oh yeah well then we'll yeah. have to never mind the wine we'll have the we'll have the gin, gin. yeah absolutely that's amazing fair play to you you know keeping the different ventures going yeah I think it's good to just do so, something for yourself you know uh, no disrespect to the girls I mean I think Anne, you've got another book coming out haven't you Anne or something soon oh, if I ever get it finished yeah I've been writing it for about two years so you know <laughs> who knows so um, yeah it's just nice you know it was, uh, and I did it as Hudson Spirits rather than Nolan I did it as my married surname and it's a passion fruit and watermelon the first one we've done so yeah keep your eye out for it sounds so summery I feel like if the weather could just pick up now absolutely yeah mm. I know but you know what knowing my look here three times cancer it'll rain for the rest of the summer <laughs> while my gin is out while my gin is standing on the shelves <laughs> yes. uh, you've got enough fans they can just just make sure they buy them listen I'm yeah. garrible <laughs> <laughs> buy the book and buy the gin everybody you're listening here now absolutely have a little gin while you're reading the book yes yeah. There you go. And then pre-order Anne's whenever it comes out. Absolutely. We'll be back. She'll be back on to you for a chat. Yes. Oh, ladies, listen, you're such stars. And thank you so much for talking to me. And Anne, I hope this afternoon goes well for you. Oh, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You too look after yourself. And hopefully we'll see you in Ireland soon. Yes, definitely. Hope so. Oh, this madness is over. Yeah, in 2029 or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Take care. Look after yourself. Take care. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So if you are a fan of the Nolan sisters, I hope you enjoyed that chat. And if you didn't really know much about them, maybe this opened up some dialogue that you didn't know that they've lived through. And those those ladies have lived through so much. Obviously, you heard there that they have written a book together. It's called Stronger Together, and that's out now. So you can get that in Eason's, Dubray, Kenny's.ie. The usual spots wherever you get your books. Um, try and shop local if you can, lads. Um, that would be just, you know, an added bonus. And Hudson Spirits is the name of Linda's gin. So go and find that as well. Have a little sip while you're reading the book there. Uh, hopefully the weather will, I don't know, get a bit nicer. It was gorgeous last weekend. So if we can just go back to that scorching weather, that would be fab. For everyone who has listened to it so far, and I've had five 
written reviews um, so far on iTunes. That's been so nice. Thank you so, so much to everyone like that. Um, I have to give a shout out to everyone who's shared on their my podcast on their story over the last few days. That would be Erin and to the Sisterhood podcast. They have shared it, which has been so nice of you. Really, really appreciate it because, you know, a lot of people find their podcast from sharing people, their friends sharing. So whether it's you send to a friend uh, on WhatsApp or you put it on your Instagram or your Facebook or whatever, I really appreciate it. It's a hard thing to crack into this podcast world unless you've got 50,000 followers or whatever. So I'm fully convinced that the Nolan Sister fans are going to get this episode to be the most listened to, which would mean they would beat Mac Ardle, who's in second place, and McLean Burke, who is in first place. Still, the Fair City fans have, you know, they've really come out in their droves and they have it at number one on there. But I think the Nolan Sister fans can do more. What do you think, ladies and lads? What do you think? We have another episode coming up next week. Um, the, my next episode will talk a lot about mental health and working with celebrities when you are going through something like that. So that'll be, a re- it's a really fascinating chat. So a name you might not know, but you will know a lot of the names this person works with. So I really hope you can tune in for that. And just so you remember, because obviously there, as I mentioned, there are so many podcasts out there, just hit the subscribe button or on iTunes, if that's where you listen. If you listen on Spotify, hit follow, because then you'll get like a notification or you can see in your podcast room that we have put up a new episode. Um, anyway, I'm going to let you go and enjoy your weekend. Uh, bank holiday weekend. Not much we can do unless you're listening to us in the UK or the US. Um, if you are, go and enjoy them beer gardens. Uh, Ireland, It's our time is coming. We're nearly there. We're edging, edging so close. So close. We're nearly, nearly there. Beer gardens are calling. Woo, woo. Uh, until then, until next week. Thank you so much for listening. This is me saying goodbye. It's long a fall and look after yourselves. Good luck. Bye, 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 bye. Keep her lit. Yeah. Bye, 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 bye. Bye 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 b